You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. This reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Karen. Hey, friends. So we're in the season of Epiphany, fourth Sunday, and I read this uh, description of what Epiphany is all about from Richard Rohr, and I love it. And he wrote, Jesus reveals the divine image clearly in a personal face we can relate to and love. So that's Epiphany, learning to see the face of Jesus as the clearest picture of the divine in a way that we can relate to and love. And this week's gospel reading, as Karen did such a great job with, and next week's too, involves Jesus casting out unclean spirits or demons who have possessed people. So I just want to get a, a, a reading of the room to see where people are at. No judgment, honestly. There's three broad categories of ways you might engage with the whole topic of demons and unclean spirits. So I'm going to read these to you, then I'm actually going to ask you, just to no judgment, raise your hand, you know, just so, uh, so I can get a read of who's in the room. So number one, you might say, I'm familiar with the Bible stories in which demons possess people and Jesus cast them out. And I believe demons still possess people sometimes. So that's one category. Two, I'm familiar with these stories, but I'm more inclined to believe it was some sort of psychological illness that they just didn't have a word for. So that would be category number two. Category number three, and this I'm dead serious, I'm not familiar with these stories and they sound crazy to me. <laughs> okay? So how many people would be category one? Familiar with Bible stories, demons possess people, Jesus cast them out, believe demons still possess people sometimes. Got it. Thank you. How about number two? Familiar with these stories, more inclined to believe it was some sort of psychological illness. Awesome. Three, not familiar with these stories. They sound crazy. Okay. There's just, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to say I'm a one and three, right? You know? 
So uh, the word unclean, akathartos, is the Greek word, and it means unclean. And, but it really specified Jesus was Jewish, and he followed Torah. So everything was categorized in terms of cleanliness or uncleanliness. And so there's all these rituals that you would have to do if you were unclean, meaning you had touched something unclean, you had eaten something unclean, you had done something unclean. There were things that you had to do in order to become clean, these ritual washings. Certain animals were clean, fine to eat, beef and other things. Others were not. So that's where shellfish and pork. Uh, during menstruation, women were considered unclean. And they needed to bathe in a mikvah all the way down under the water and all the way back up in order to be clean once again. If someone came in contact with a corpse, they were ritually unclean for seven days until they went through a specific ritual, which sheds a little more light on the familiar Samaritan story, the Good Samaritan. So remember, the priest and the Levite walked right by because if they touched this person that could well have been dead, they would have been out of a job for seven days. So it just sheds a little more light on that. So something that is unclean, meaning something is unfit to be in the synagogue, unfit to engage in the prayer life that people who follow Torah do. So Jesus followed these rituals, and he did the ritual cleansings. He believed in them. Here's the first question of the day. What kind of ritual cleansing do you have to do when you have a demon? Exorcism. Thanks, Karen. Anyone else have an idea? Call the Winchesters. <laughs> Call the Winchesters? That is some, some literature reference. Is it? What's it from? Supernatural, yes. All right. Um, I would have said maybe call Dustin from Stranger Things, but <laughs> you can pick whoever you want to pick. Um, so the truth is there weren't really, there was not a specific ritual that you could go through if you had a demon in you in the time of Jesus. So ritual cleansing is external. And Jesus followed the external ritual purity laws. They were important. But I think this text is telling us that Jesus also knew there is an impurity which is internal that sneaks up on us and surprises us and even finds its way into the synagogue that we can't drive out by trying hard or by following rules that keep us pure. Amen? It's a little bit of what Charlie was talking about. I have a sneakiness that if I want to be unsneaky, I actually have to submit myself to the uncomfortable process of being asked really honest questions and people getting in my face and saying, you're lying. Um, so I'll play my cards face up. I do believe there are evil spirits in the world, demons sent by Satan, whose primary work is to turn us away from God. I'm just not always sure how that works in 2018. But I believe Jesus had the authority over them and still does. But I'd also like to broadly define an unclean spirit uh, so that we can speak to all three categories of people. Okay, so yes, in some way, evil spirit could be an actual demon 
Uh, and some of you believe, yep, many of you say, yep, that's, that's true, that still happens. But I don't think that's where it ends. If an unclean spirit is something uh, that um, it keeps us from engaging with the divine, and it's something, here's how I want to define it. Let's call an unclean spirit anything which has control over you, and you can't get rid of it by following the rules or by applying external measures like trying hard to quit, setting limits on yourself, praying, dieting, and all that kind of stuff. Are we tracking? Let's call an unclean spirit anything which has control over you, which your efforts to get it out of you so far, maybe they work for a little while, but they don't work long term. So what are some examples of those kinds of unclean spirits? That's an all-play question. Alcoholism. Thanks, George. Yep. Fear. Who said that? Yes, Jenny, fear. What? Pride? Who said that? Emily, thanks, pride. Anger. Anger. Yes. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, yep. What else? Depression. Depression. Oh, Feeling you're not good enough, trauma, envy. So um, if you know me, you know I'm not much for New Year's resolutions. Because <laughs> I think typically we try to tackle some of these issues that we've just tried to tackle for so long, so many ways, by setting a New Year's resolution on it. So we're going to try hard. We're going to set our intention on it. It's important to set our intention on some things and make some decisions about some things. But when we're dealing with a truly unclean spirit, we have to make some admission to the fact that we don't have control over this thing. It actually has control over us. And so us saying that just by trying hard or praying hard, uh, that's not going to do it. And I would, I would be willing to bet that if I could sit down with you and tell you mine, and you would, then you would tell me yours. And we could be honest about that, that we all have those. So here's the truth of this text. We can't be released from these kind of unclean spirits by doing the kind of ritual cleansings that are important in other areas of our life. This is going to take a whole lot more authority. And this is what Jesus was doing in the synagogue then, and it's what he's always doing. He's always looking internally and seeing what are the things that keep us imprisoned. And he's always inviting you to walk out. You have the keys. You just don't have the power to use them. Amen? So I think in these days, the most helpful resource when we're talking about the things that we can't be released from, these unclean spirits, is the big book. So we have some 12-steppers among us. What's the first step, anyone? Just... Yep, we admitted that we are powerless over alcohol or name your unclean spirit, and that our lives had become unmanageable. That's the first step. How long does it take to actually admit that? 
long time. Again, if you could sit with me and I could sit with you, we would have lots of stories to tell. And we have to go through all the setting the limits and trying hard and making sure that um, we have control over it until finally we admit that we were powerless over it. Powerless. Now, in our country, we have a fierce addiction to independence, don't we? I got it. I can handle it. I'll figure it out by myself. I don't want to let you into it. That's why what Charlie said about his little group really is pretty extraordinary. If you want to be awake, this is for you. If you want to stay asleep, it's really not for you. It's not going to go that well because you're just going to lie. <laughs> and you can lie for a long time until you get so sick of it and others get so sick of it that you have to admit that you're powerless over the thing that keeps you lying. Second step is what? We came to believe that We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So Jesus shows up in the synagogue with what? With authority, with power to do something that, frankly, no one else could. Now, this guy made his way into the synagogue. No one could tell he was possessed by a demon, whatever the unclean spirit was. He just, he made his way in there. I think that's a great, like we all should look at that and just breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> he made it in, you made it in, I made it in. So we can either lie and pretend that none of us have the unclean spirit, none of us have any addictions over which we have no control, or over time, through a series of either breakdowns, breakthroughs, or people lovingly inviting us to tell the truth, we can come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. What's step three? We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Whoo! Made a decision to turn our messed up lives and our will. Both of those things over to God. Now, um, the fourth and fifth steps are we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's the fourth step. The fifth step is we admitted to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. The problem is, I think most people think religion starts with step four. That's where we start. So we're going to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of, of, of ourselves. Go ahead and go for that without doing the first three steps. What's going to happen to you? <laughs> yes. Screw that, Jenny says. I would say you get caught in a try hard and give up cycle. You try hard for a really long time. I got it, limits, control, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, um, sobriety of a certain sense for a certain amount of time. And then something happens and you give up. And then you feel so bad about yourself after a while because you're making this 
searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves without admitting that you are powerless, without coming to believe that a power greater than you could restore you, and without deciding to turn your will over to God who actually could help you and comfort you, if you keep making a fearless moral inventory of yourself without the first three steps, you're just going to get caught in a try hard and give up cycle. Try hard, give up. Try hard, give up. Try hard, give up. You exhausted yet? And then we call that Christianity. How are you? Doing great. I'm not going to be in a steel on steel or circle of trust group, though, because I want to keep lying about my stuff. <laughs> so here's what's interesting in Mark one twenty one, how this passage starts. Karen read, they went to Capernaum. Now, the word Capernaum comes from the Hebrew, two Hebrew words, uh, kafar, which means village, and nachum, or nacham, which means comfort, the village of comfort. In the village of comfort, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. And uh, nacham, comfort, means to be sorry, to be consoled, to repent, to have regret, or to be comforted. Now, here's a 10,000-point question. Steph Spencer is not here, I don't think, so she can't answer it for us. Where is the first mention of the word comfort? And I'll give you a hint. It's in Genesis. Thank you, Noah. Joe came up with it. He studied this. Genesis 5.29, and he called, God called his name Noah, saying, this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. So, all play question. In the context of what we were just talking about, try hard, give up, what does it mean to be comforted by God concerning the work and the toil of your hands? Yeah, to turn it over, to say I'm powerless over that. What else? To trust that you'll, thanks, Steve. To trust that you'll make it through the storm. It's hard to trust when, it's, when you're in the storm. That's why we read stories in the scripture of people who were past the point of breaking and God came and comforted them. And there's a difference between like letting go really means letting go of control. That's the hardest thing to let go of, control. I can control it. I got it. Just going to try hard a little more, a little longer. That's why I think it's so interesting that the, what's, the, what's the pronoun usage in the 12 steps? It's in the, it's we. It's in the plural. It's not I. I admitted I was powerless. That's another form of control. Fierce independence. I got this. I got my own program. 12 steps by myself. <laughs> what, what would happen if someone tried to walk through the 12 steps by themselves? White knuckles, try hard, give up. You ever met a dry drunk? They're still just as angry as they ever were, maybe even worse. Remember Fun Bobby and Friends? Anyone ever <laughs> watch Friends? Fun Bobby? They loved him when he was drinking, hated him when he was sober. He was a terrible person. 
because he didn't get free. He just was, you know. So, in what ways do we need God to comfort us concerning the work and the toil of our hands? Let's call that the try-hard cycle. The white-knuckling, I can do it. What would it look like to admit to another human being, to yourself and to God, that you're done with that? And you can't control it. You can't stop doing that thing. That you can't. You actually can't. There could be a freedom that comes in just that. And then someone else going, yeah, you can't. I've been walking with you for five years. And I love you so much, but man, took you a long time. No, they would probably just say, man, welcome home. Here's my thing. But Jesus, verse 25, rebuked the voice, saying, be silent and come out of him. What did Jesus do right there? Separated the person from the unclean spirit. The addiction isn't you. It's out here. You're here. The addiction, the unclean spirit, whatever it is, is here. So Jesus casts it out. That's amazing. The unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. I think that speaks a little bit to um, the process that it takes. Now, I said unclean is akathartos, but if you take that ah out of there, it's just kathartos, and it means um, it's where we get the word catharsis. What does catharsis mean? Cleansing. Cleansing. What else? To let something go in a big Death Star size explosion. Yes. Fred. To let something go in a big Death Star sized explosion. Fred might be the one guy that's nerdier than me in terms of Star Wars in this room. <laughs> <laughs> catharsis that's what Jesus brings that's the authority that Jesus has to say in my presence when you cathart when you get it out when you come clean cathartos what you get is not judgment but comfort that's what you get and in the body of Christ the body of believers that place their trust in Jesus, actually, who has authority to drive out that which is unclean, you'll find a fellowship of broken people that will say, yep, me too, me too. I can't judge it because, man, there's so much more to me that you could judge. <laughs> but when you do come clean, the greatest thing is then you have nothing left to lose because it's all out there. You could say, like I have, one of my friends says, um, there's so much worse I could say about my own self than you could say about me. <laughs> so, so I want to end by reading this text one more time, and then we're going to move into 60 seconds of silence. And then Deva will come up and read the prayers of response, and she'll lead us through the Eucharist. But when I'm reading through this text, I'm going to pray that God speaks to you in it, and then that God invites you into 
maybe an admission of powerlessness and that it would feel like freedom. So close your eyes if you'd like to. You don't have to. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now. 